a message from our sponsor, Rampstop Marine Service. Rampstop Marine Service is a family-owned and operated boat store located at mile marker 757 on the Ohio River. Since 2005, their mission has been to support and encourage the Inland Mariner by providing midstream delivery services on the Ohio River from Louisville to Cairo and the Mississippi from Hickman to Cape Girardeau. By operating their own grocery store and supply warehouse tailored to the needs of vessels operating on our inland rivers, they can provide you with what your boats and crews need to keep moving. Rampstop has also begun working with launch services and midstream fuelers on the Ohio and Mississippi rivers. So next time you talk with your launch service or midstream fueler, ask if they can provide you with groceries from Rampstop Marine Service. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, or visit www.rampstop.com. Welcome back to Between the Levees. I'm joined today by Brian Girk, a Marine Corps veteran that I met at AEP when he was a port engineer. He is currently the Vice President of Engineering at Reliant Maritime Solutions. Mr. Girk, thank you for joining me today. Hey, Tim. How are you, sir? Doing just great. How about yourself? It's good to see you, brother. Proud of your show. Thank you. Good work you're doing. I appreciate that. Well, you know how these start, man. Tell me where you were born. Uh, Port Walton Beach, Florida, 1970. What did your parents do for a living? Uh, my dad was in the Air Force, active duty, and my mom was, you know, stayed home, typical type stuff. What did your dad do in the Air Force? He was a, uh, like a flight mechanic, refueling on aircraft. Okay. And what was life growing up down there? Well, I only spent six months of my, my entire life in uh, Fort Walton Beach, and then he got orders to go to Anchorage, Alaska at uh, Elmendorf Air Force Base. How long were you all up there? Uh, I spent 19 years there. My dad still lives in Alaska. Well, tell me about growing up up there. Uh, beautiful countryside. If you love the outdoors, uh, fishing, hunting, hiking, skiing, uh, just getting out into the woods, it's the perfect place. How many kids were in your class in school? I went to private school most of my life. So, you know, no more than 15, 20 until I reached high school age. Well, what did you like? To, I mean, I know you kind of said how it was growing up, but were you drawn to anything in school? Did you play any sports? Uh, what was, tell me about Alaska. I played hockey during the wintertime. You know, we played baseball in the summer as kids. Uh, I really didn't get into football much. I was more of a hockey fan and a baseball fan than anything, you know. We lived out after so many years. Uh, we lived out into the mountainside. So, you know, you had the mountains and trees and rivers as your backyard. You know, we didn't have much TV. Uh, so most of my time was spent in the woods with my dog, Chief. Um, were you drawn to anything in school? Uh, not really. You know, I had uh, one of my primary subjects uh, was history. Um, and as it turns out, I'm enrolled in college right now, getting my bachelor's of arts in history. So you finished up high school. You said at 19, you left Alaska. Was that into the Marine Corps? No, nah, I went to California for a couple of years, goofed around. And then the summer of, uh, 1994 is when I joined the Marine Corps, went to boot camp. Tell me about boot camp. Uh, you know, I was reminiscing over Denny's interview here not too long ago and uh, i know he's a hollywood marine uh, the real guys go to pi in paris island south carolina um that's where i went you know you get off the bus you're nervous as hell uh 
the drill instructor gets on the bus. He says, uh, in accordance to uh, commanding general, we want to welcome you to Paris Island, South Carolina, you know, MCRD. Uh, and then he starts screaming at you to get off, get off, get off. And, you know, nobody knows what the hell to do. You know, just like Denny says, you just run in for the, the tree line. So uh, three months of good training. You know, it, I went in at, I turned 24 the first week of boot camp. I was the second oldest uh, in my platoon. Uh, the next guy above me was 26 years old. And, it, you know, the rest of them are 18 to 20, whatever, 22. Spent eight years in the Marine Corps, had a great time all over the countryside. Uh, I spent some time in the South Pacific and I went to Europe for a bit. What was your MOS? I was an 0161 postal clerk handled mail for the military and where all were you posted uh, i went to obviously i did my basic training and then went to do my mos school in indianapolis indiana uh, my first duty station was okinawa japan for two years um, of that two years in japan i spent six months uh, forward deployed in south korea on a, a combat service support de detachment uh, it was originally just supposed to be for a month and a half or so and there were three back-to-back -back cssds and me and a buddy of mine chris rickford we loved it so much we just stayed for the additional two so you know they didn't have to send more gear or two additional lance corporals over there they just had to send an nco well, where did you land after the marine corps out of the Marine Corps in Barstow, California, and I went towards uh, Houston, Texas, where I had a friend of mine um, that I served with in Camp Lejeune was living, and I actually had a job lined up, but it didn't last very long. It was with uh, farmers insurance. I felt like a telemarketer, you know, it wasn't my style. It didn't fit me well, so I wound up leaving it. And I had another friend of mine that lives in uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri, that I served with in Camp Lejeune again. And he told me about a barge company by the name of Memco that was hiring deckhands. So I packed everything I had in my truck and hauled tail up to Missouri. And that was about December of 2002 is when I filled my application out. And January of the following year in uh, 2003, I stepped foot on my first boat, which was the Chris Parsonage. Where was that? Uh, they, were, they were running the Mississippi River. Had you thought about a towboat before that point in life? I never knew what a towboat was till I got hired in. You know, yeah. growing up in Alaska, you just, it's just not a common item you know, that you see. Well, tell me about deckhand onboarding and I guess your, your first trip on deck. You know, it was a little nerve wracking, you know, not knowing what to do. Um, but being a Marine, strong headed, you know, fail forward. I was ready to do whatever it took to, to get a paycheck. So um, I grasped it fairly fast, you know. Uh, I did my first trip on the Chris Parsonage and then my regular boat turned out to be the, the uh, it's an old Robert Stout. It was an old 7200. EMD boat. I uh, decked on it for about a year and a half, almost two years. And, uh, you know, most people coming up to the deck, they figure out, you know, what they really want to do in their career, whether they're going to stay, go, uh, move back to the engine room. At that time, you know, they had oilers, assistants, and then chiefs in the engine room. And then 
people went to the wheelhouse um, and I chose the engineering part, you know, I walked back and talked to the chief said, Hey, how do I get back here? And uh, he told me the route, uh, you know, you come back, you help them out with items, you, you go make rounds, you know, you do the regular round routine of draining water off fuel tanks and air tanks and taking readings for them and filling out their logs and coming out with special uh, assignments, you know, when he had stuff to do and, you know, I, took the initiative and done that and he wrote me a recommendation letter to uh, be in the Oilers program 20 years later here I am what was the most surprising thing you saw out there on that first year or so uh, you know just the way the the marine industry functions and and the people think it's it's a, a big organization out here but the whole marine inland marine program you know, throughout all the companies is not very big. So just seeing the high water from low water to um, failures on a boat, you know, I really didn't see my first dry dock until I was in the Oilers program, you know. Thought that was really cool. I actually stood there and uh, physically watched them pull a shaft out of a boat. I'd never seen that done before you know, pulling wheels and how you manipulate all that stuff and that really cool stuff. You know, I, I think I got my mechanical abilities from my dad, you know, when he moved up to Alaska, uh, he got out of the Air Force, went into the Army National Guard and uh, turned wrenches on Huey H1s for the National Guard. You know, I go out there on weekends and downtime, you know, that I had a school and stuff as a kid and tinker around in the helicopters and play around with the collective and the joystick and flip buttons, you know, while they turn wrenches on helicopters. And so Brian, uh, are towboats as exciting as you might've expected helicopters to be? You know, I, I, I spent a lot of time out there with my dad in the mechanic shop of uh, the army base he worked at, you know, on days that I'd have off from school or weekends that he was tinkering around out there overhauling ships. Um, that's where I got my start from, I think, you know, and, and I think about it, you know, there's a lot of responsibility in what we do out here mechanically, but you talk about overhauling a, a helicopter or an aircraft and you put them guys up there two, 3,000 feet up in the air, and it's, that's a lot of risk involved. Not that we don't have it out here ourselves, but um, I just didn't want that on my shoulders at that time. You know, I, I took some leave back some years ago when I was stationed in Okinawa, Japan, and come back to Alaska. I actually got a chance, an opportunity to go up and fly with my dad. And, uh, of course, it wasn't after any type of mechanical uh, fixes that they've done. It's just uh, that pilots and had to do uh, some touch and goes, what they call. They have some grid coordinates that they're listed on a paper. They got to go find them, set down, take it back off again. Um, I thought that was really cool. That was the first time I, uh, I got to fly with my dad. And of course, I was active duty and I had that opportunity to, but I just wanted to choose my own path in life, you know, and that's, that's what led me to the next layers of my evolution through life, you know, whether it be the Marine Corps or choosing towboat career. You know, my whole family's always been army or the navy or the air force and and nobody has ever ventured towards the marine corps and uh 
I was the first. I felt that drive. I felt the, the desire and I made it happen. You know, it was just, it was tough. The Marine Corps makes it tough and it's there for a reason. And uh, that's why they, they have that slogan, the few, the proud, the Marines. And not everybody makes it that goes in. Uh, I think in our platoon, we started out with well over 100 guys in, in the squad bay. And we may have graduated 60-something, you know. So they, they drop quick, but it, it's all determination and heart. And it doesn't matter how much muscle mass you got. It's, it's all in your heart and your brain. Well, was towboating just sort of the next opportunity that popped up for you? I know you weren't enjoying that insurance gig. Yeah, you know, it, it didn't work well. I, I felt like a telemarketer, and that's just not my style. That's why I don't ever talk to them people because it's aggravating, you know. And uh, I didn't really have anything lined up after the insurance gig fell through. Um, and then it just a stroke of luck and the, the God's grace that tow boat and fell into my lap because uh, I got a phone call shortly after that from a friend of mine, Shane. Uh, he told me about the the Memco deckhand job there at uh, Cape Girardeau. I loaded everything I had in my truck and uh, blazed the trail north. Yeah, my uh, career sorted similarly. It wasn't a friend in the industry, but a random ad I found and responded to, like you said, a stroke of luck. It sure was. Uh, he, he worked at a place uh, there in Cape, and he worked with a guy that was married to a girl in the Memco office. That's how he found out okay i mean it's just word of mouth by word of mouth and then here i am yeah and uh and here we are so maybe we can reconvene in another 20 years or so yeah you know I, i'm 52 i'll be 53 next week uh, shoot i still got 15 years in me 20 maybe you know and, and nobody in my family we didn't ever even know what tow boating was i mean it i didn't for sure but i knew that i needed a job uh, I needed an income and I was willing to give it a go. And 20 years later, you know, we're still stroking miles up and down the river and, you know, fixing equipment and keeping guys safe. And that's what it's all about. I did that, man. Well, how did your career advance once you got into the uh, oiler program? I moved up the ladder fairly quickly. You know, I was always studious and willing to learn. And, you know, I kept uh, a lot of good knowledge in my head. And I paid attention a lot, you know, so I, I was a chief, made chief engineer within about seven, eight years. Uh, the last big boat that I rode, um, formerly known as the Miss KD, uh, now it's the Mark uh, Kanoi. Uh, big, it's a big triple screw EMD boat. It's one of the biggest boats I ever rode. I remember picking it up when uh, AEP bought it. And uh, the shaft alleys are so big, you get turned around. I mean, it's like monstrous space. So you were part of the AEP acquisition then? Yes. How, how yeah. was that? Tell me about that. You know, it's, it's nerve-wracking. You know, you think you're, you're working for a company and you're going to retire from one, and then you find out, you know, the, the carpet's fixing to be pulled out from underneath you and the unknowns and what's fixing to happen. But, it, you know, it turned out to be pretty decent. Uh, the guys that we fell in line with at uh, ACBL really turned out to be some really great guys. Um, I worked for a gentleman by the name of Mark Duplantis in the Gulf. You know, it was a little nerve wracking coming into a bunch of new guys, but 
transition is a part of life and change is just, you know, the next day. So talk a little bit about your, uh, your transition shoreside. Uh, that was about 10 years ago, you know, back when I was still riding boats on that, it was when we took it over, we renamed it the Jeff Stover, um, high water event had landed my boat in Paducah, Kentucky, because it was such a big girl and she drafted so heavy on the stern. They tied her up and they needed some additional help in the Gulf at Convent. Uh, it was a recent acquisition for uh, AEP back in the day. You know, they built that place and started it. I think it was around 2006, if memory serves. Um, so they needed some port engineer source, shoreside help. Uh, I was a little reluctant to go, but Joe Brantley and all the port engineers here in Paducah wouldn't leave me alone until I said yes. So uh, I reluctantly went down and over time of going down there, um, I kept my schedule of 28, 28. And then there was a guy that would relieve me, you know, it kind of grew on me and I enjoyed it. Um, I was able to pass on knowledge to the guys in the fleet or the, you know, the re-delivery boats that they had down there in the Gulf. Um, they had a bunch of canal boats that they run guy that we worked for he was the operations manager tim callahan you know offered me a position and talking to my wife i i took it you know it gave me an opportunity to be at home uh, hang out with my wife and my son so it was a good opportunity and, and things just grew from there and my knowledge base uh, has gone up significantly what's a day in the life of a port engineer oh you wake up you know phone calls all day emails um there's always preventive maintenance and scheduled items to take care of. Um, things come across the airwaves that, you know, things are going to break. It's machinery. Plenty enough boats to keep you busy, I guess. Oh, yeah, all the time. Well, so the transition to ACBL, after that happened, how long were you? did you stay with ACBL? Probably in the neighborhood of seven years, I think. Because I feel like, once we switched over to those roles, I'm not, we kind of fell out of touch. I'm not sure. Yeah. After the, where, where, where were you uh, based after the, the transition? I stayed at convent. It's all kind of a blur, but anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so did you go straight to Reliant Maritime after ACBL? I did. Uh, you know, I needed a new, um, new direction. And the guys at Reliant, you know, they're, they're really good to work with. You know, Dave Abney and Jeremy Shot Tardy, you know, really a bunch of good guys. You know, we got a great team, both on the river and shoreside. And uh, it's going to take some ironing out, you know. But when you got enough experience and, and people that will willing to pitch in and do the work, anything's possible. How long have you been with them now? Um. Not a year yet. August will be a year for me. Okay. Well, let's switch to uh, switch topics then. Uh, you said you're married. How long have you been married? Um, October this year will be 19 years. Good for you. Yeah. And you have you have children? Yeah, I got two. I got one 17 year old son. Uh, he he drives around with me on certain projects and goes to the boats and hangs out and. Um, then I have a 33 year old daughter that lives in, uh, Missouri still. 
Is it looking like your son's going to follow you into the in, into the industry? Probably not. You know, I think he's got his hopes and dreams on IT and uh, marine biology type stuff. When he gets through college, he'll be a senior in high school next year. Uh, he's looking at going to do some studying at LSU after that. So we'll see how things progress. Do you still live in Louisiana? Yes, sir. Yeah, we just moved to a nice little place out in Plaquemine, Louisiana, in Iberville Parish, which is just below uh, Baton Rouge a little bit on the West Bank. I've uh, been there just over a year. Beautiful place in the bayou. You know, you yeah. can't get much better than that. I don't live too far. Actually, a job in Plaquemine moved me out here to the Baton Rouge area uh, in late 09. But um, I guess next time you're in town, let me know. Yeah, well, I had to come up to Illinois to do a job on a boat. Um, you know, we crossed the Gross Tet Bridge out there in Plaquemine. A lot of, you know, tow boaters know where that's at. And I just live a few miles from that. We can hear the boats in the ICW as they pass by. You said you're in college now. Yeah, you know, at 52 years old, you know, you never expect yourself to go back to school, but anything's possible, you put your mind to it. Um, I started out, I was going to do a uh, bachelor's of business degree. I was in my first semester and I had a class. Uh, it was American Native Indian History, and it, it really spurred my uh, knowledge base for high school history. And I, I changed my degree and I don't ever know what I'll do with the Bachelor's of Arts, but, you know, at my age, what difference does it make, you know? I was able to use my, my GI Bill from my Marine Corps days and having a good time learning and, you know, hitting the books again. What program are you in or with what school? Uh, it was uh, American Public University. So it's a military-based um, school. You know, a lot of people from the military active duty or vets or, you know, their spouses or kids, you know, go to this college event. I'm not actually sure where their actual campus is, but I know they do have one somewhere. So it's all online? Yep. All right. How much longer do you have? Uh, probably another year and a half, two years left, about halfway through. I don't do very many. I do three classes a semester, and that's about enough for me, you know, working the type of job that we do, answering the phone most of the day. I get home, you're, you're zapped mentally and physically from running and gunning. And, so I, I started out my first semester, I, we, uh, me and my wife lined up five classes and uh, that was just way too much. And I knocked it down to three and that's, you know, more manageable. Yeah, I think I, when I did my MBA, I was just doing one course. But anyway, um, do you have any, uh, any thoughts or messages for the industry or, or about the industry that you've lived in for for? I mean, what, 20, just over 20 years? Yeah, just, I feel grateful for the guys that look out for one another, you know, just, you know, you hear all these stories. I was at the, uh, the Riverbell ceremony up here in Paducah here not long ago, and they had the awards for, uh, um, I forget the name of the towboat and the crew, but they, they rescued a guy from another boat. You hear stories like that, and that's what I said earlier, you know, all these companies out here on the river and everybody pulls together to get the job done. And that's, that's a big highlight from our industry, you know, 
that no matter who you are, who you work for, what you do, you know, the next guy on the next boat is going to help you out and whatever you need done. So, you know, also I hear all these envisions of uh, new technologies coming out on towboats and 20 years ago, guys would have just laughed at you, but you see all the innovation and cool technologies coming out. You know, it's we've come a long way in my 20 years. I can't imagine the guys have been out here 40, 50 years, you know, back when they still had uh, the old telephones, you had to pay on your paycheck, you know, to call home and stuff. And now everybody's got a smartphone. Hell, back when I started, I didn't even have a cell phone. They had a, a cell phone in the, in the wheelhouse. You accrued five minutes a day. You know, you could talk and call home on or borrow the mates or chiefs, you know, cell phone, whatever. But, you know, technology's gone a long way. Well, for the sake of the viewers or listeners, let me know, get, give me a few examples of the improvements you're, you're seeing popping up these days. Now you got, you got good alarm systems on your engines now. You got... Uh, high-speed dial-up computers, you know, to keep your logs and, and download and look up stuff for parts and um, supplies and stuff, you know. You're able to email once back and forth to your shoreside personnel. If you had problems with mechanical issues or just thoughts on your head, you know, you could pick up a phone and call somebody, you know. How different was it when you started in the oiler program? Oh, gosh, it, well, like I told you, you know, that not many people on a boat had a cell phone. Back then, you know, you had roaming fees. So, I mean, and back then, I don't even know if they had that many cell phone towers either, to point a fact. And I can remember having, I forget the uh, the name of the cell phone provider, but they were wanting to charge me international rates when I got below the Baton Rouge Bridge. And, you know, I called and I said, like, you know, last time I checked, Baton Rouge and, and Louisiana was still part of the continental U.S., you know. <laughs> you may have to convince some people of that, but yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a lot of technology has come up to speed on, on a lot of our equipment. Um, the tier levels have gone up, you know, and, and now there's uh, EPA stuff on engines on brand new equipment and just it's really impressive the the links that we've come and strides we've made to keep our environment clean. And that's always been a, a sticking point for me. You know, all knock on wood, you know, out of my 20, 21 years, I've never had an environmental incident. I, I encourage everybody that watches this or the guys that work for me, pay attention to what you're doing. You know, a lot of us fish and hunt and take our kids to parks on the river and just keep our area clean. You know, that would be a, a big point that I push out. You know, you hear all the stories back 20, 30 years ago where they just dumped their trash and bilges to the river, and that's just not the way we are anymore. So, Mr. Girk, I think that'll do it, man. Cool. I appreciate your time this afternoon. My pleasure, Tim. It's always good to see you, brother. You too. I'll get back to work. Take care. Too. Bye. Thanks.